everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Coding's Decoded. My name is Mark Thomas with Tanina Company. And today we're going to talk about important changes to NSF Standard 61 that are upcoming that engineers and owners should be aware of. Today I'm joined by Randy Moore. Randy is the Tanemic Director of Sales for Industry Affairs. He has 39 years of experience in the water industry and ex extensive experience uh, and involvement with AWWA, including the current sitting vice president. Welcome, Randy. Thanks, Mark. I'm also joined by Brian Cheshire. He's the Director of Sales of Water and Wastewater here at Tanemic Company. He has over 20 years of experience in the coatings industry and is a certified NACE 3 coatings inspector. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. So just a quick background on Tanemic. Uh, in 2021, we celebrated our 100th anniversary as a company. And during that time, we've always strived to be innovative in our product formulations and, of course, uh, supporting our customers in the best way we can. And we're going to talk about some of the changes that are occurring in the coatings industry today as it relates to standard 61 and potable water coatings. So Randy, the, we, we see a constant forward progress with coating formula innovations, new technologies coming out. Sometimes there are external drivers as well. And in this case, it's some important changes to standard 61. And standard 61 rolls off our tongue here, at least to, at Tanemic, because we produce a lot of coatings that go into potable water contact. That is the standard that uh, coatings manufacturers test to if you've got any of your materials that are in contact with potable water. So that is uh, primarily an immersion and extraction test uh, that then gives you a qualification for use in a certain size water tank, for instance. What are the changes to standard 61 that we're hearing about, especially in relation to NSF 600? Yeah, let's talk about that. And, and actually, uh, just prior to COVID hitting, I attended the, the uh, last in-person uh, NSF meeting in, in Ann Arbor, where they held what they call the joint meeting, because it includes standard 60 and 61. But um, this this standard change, or uh, 61 change, and it applies to 60, really took place in 2018. and um, But it was published in April of 2019. And, and you'll notice in the title, it is now the NSF slash ANSI slash CAN, the C-A-N, uh, Standard 61. What that CAN represents is this is the first national standard for Canada, which is kind of a, a, an interesting point. And the real change that took place was out of both Standard 60 and 61, they took annexes A and D and combined them into a new reference standard, which is called Standard 600. And the actual title for the new reference standard is Health Effects Evaluation and Criteria for Chemicals in Drinking Water. And uh, that's the change in a nutshell. What's contained in that, in that standard, uh, in the reference standard 600? So what's changed in the, in the new 600? What's the difference? Well, the standard is in place. Uh, however, three solvents were extended from an implementation date uh, from the 2018 that really impacted solvenated epoxy technologies. These three solvents are xylenes, ethylbenzenes, and toluene. These are very common solvents used by a lot of manufacturers for solvenated epoxies. And the real change was, and I'll use the xylene as an example, uh, prior to this new standard in 2018, uh, the criteria for MCL, maximum contaminant level, was 10 micrograms per liter. So we're at a 10 MCL uh, micrograms per liter. 
the new standard 600 drops it down to 0.09 micrograms per liter. And so the new standard is one one hundredth of what it was. Similar changes were made for the ethyl benzene and the toluene MCLs. What's that mean? Well, in essence, what it means is we can no longer use these solvents in solvinated epoxies. So that's the real change. And it has significant implications then for the potable water tank uh, coatings, but any uh, any epoxy in contact with portable water coatings. And so the takeaways for our listeners are that these new MCLs are adopted and finalized. It was published in, in like I say, 2019, changed in 2018, published in 2019. However, NSF has given the industry, the coatings industry, five years to kind of shift gears and make the changes necessary for this new lower uh, MCL levels for those three solvents. So those three solvents have until... January 1st, 2023. So we're closing in quickly and uh, when this will become effective. It affects all coating manufacturers. As I said, many solvent-borne technologies that relied on that solvent package or combination of those solvents in a solvent package will go away or have to be reformulated. So, however, there are technologies that remain. It won't be impacted. Primarily, the, the commonly used ones, the organic zinc-rich primers, uh, the aromatic polyurethanes, and 100% solids, and some less than 100% solids that don't use these solvents do remain and are not impacted by this. So, with that, I'd like to turn it back to you, Mark, and talk about what is our response? How has Tanemic responded to this? What's our solution? Right, and... I think it's important, too, to just emphasize the fact that standard 61 is still standard 61. The NSF 600 really is a reference standard that rolls up underneath that. And we're really emphasizing NSF 600 to draw attention to the fact that these are big changes, and you want to make sure that any of your coatings that you're using in potable water contact after January 1st, 2023, do meet those new requirements for extractions. So um, the NSF 600 is an important thing to keep in your mind, but it will still be referenced under standard 61. Correct. So yeah, these are big changes to the coatings industry. And we're seeing, as we mentioned, a lot of uh, older technologies that have been around for years and years, uh, no matter the coatings manufacturer, are not going to be compliant moving forward after January 1st, 2023. And Brian, I just want to bring you into this uh, to really ask specifically, what are the types of technology changes that engineers and owners are going to to be experiencing here as we move forward. Yeah, definitely, Mark. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, and I'll say really before getting into those generic technologies, I, I did want to highlight again what Randy had mentioned that, you know, Tanemic as a leader in coatings for water tower industry, um, been at the forefront of, of a lot of these things. And, and with NSF 600, this has been something that has been on our radar for quite some time. We've been working towards this. Um, so for those, th those listeners that may be wondering, you know, what, what is going to meet this? Um, we've done a few things to help you on the front end there. Uh, so, so currently if you go to our NSF listings, uh, we explicitly call out the products that will, that comply with the NSF 600, uh, companion standard. Um, in addition to that, uh, we, we've updated, uh, the watermark that you'll see on a lot of our, our materials that go out to where, um, Historically, it's just said that it's certified to meet NSF 61. Um, now, th this new watermark will, will indicate that along with um, it meeting NSF 600. 
So I might um, yeah, I might add to that, Brian, yeah, that, that we've done this in advance of actually the one one twenty three implementation date. So we've gone ahead mm -hmm. and made made it available to the industry to know which ones meet the standard. And and you're right, we were we were aware of this well before even twenty eighteen because uh, we have uh, Kyle Frakes, a, a gentleman who handles our environmental affairs. He is he is the only coating manufacturer, the only coating manufacturer that sits on the joint NSF sixty sixty one committee. So we've been heavily involved in this from the beginning. Actually, Tanimic had a hand uh, the very early days of setting up NSF sixty uh, and the NSF association in general. Uh, we were heavily involved in that. So our history and our track record, if you will, with NSF goes way back. Well, and just talking about uh, some of the generic technologies that you're going to see and, and, and maybe some of the common responses that you're going to see in the marketplace, um, you know, as Randy mentioned, obviously, with the changes in, in those particular solvent levels, um, you're going to see products like Series 20, which, as he mentioned, uh, was um, has been around 56 years now, um, was the first NSF approved epoxy. Mm -hmm. uh, has been a workhorse for Tenemic Company for, for the duration of that time. Um, with the changes, that product's going away. Um, and there'll be very a lot of other similar products that you'll see go away as well. Um, the good news is that there's a lot of existing technologies uh, that already meet this new standard. And, and a lot of products that you'll already recognize that in most cases you've probably used multiple times. So... While there will be newer technologies coming out, you're still going to see heavy usage of products, you know, like the zinc rich primers. You know, Randy alluded to that earlier, talking about uh, Series 91 and its long and storied history in, in the water tank market. Um, those, those products are not going away. Um, in addition to that, you're going to see a lot more of the 100% solids materials and, and high solids materials being used. Um, Aromatic polyurethanes being one of those, as well as 100% solids epoxies. So just to kind of come back to the fact that we've got much lower extraction um, allowances with solvents. And these are solvents that are very common in epoxies especially. Mm -hmm. And so the way to formulate to meet these new NSF 600 extraction requirements is to raise the solids in general mm -hmm. or to use some, some alternative solvents. And so what you're seeing is... Uh, especially when it comes to epoxies, is a move from those lower solids, higher solvent level products to probably 80% uh, as mm -hmm. your sort of go-to general level of solids, wouldn't you say, and then all the way up to 100%. Those Correct. are going to be much more common. And as you said, too, uh, for engineers and, and owners who are familiar with some of these older tried-and-true products, this these uh, updating their specifications... Uh, applying products that are unfamiliar to them doesn't necessarily mean those are new technologies. They, 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 a lot of these have been around in the industry for quite a few years and have a good track record. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, Mark. Uh, for example, although uh, the 100% the solids epoxies that we use, they're not 56 years old, but they've been out for nearing, nearly 20 years now. So we have 20 years experience with this technology. It's, it's not brand new. Uh, that, that, that's a great point. And, you know, we, we talk about a lot of these existing technologies. You're also going to see some newer technologies coming out to the marketplace, whether that be uh, higher solids materials use, utilizing different solvent packages or even, um, as we'll discuss here in a minute, uh, water-based technologies. You know, there's going to be some new things coming out um, to be able to comply to the standard. 
And so if you look at Tanemic's product lineup, um, as I mentioned, a lot of quote unquote familiar faces here. Um, if you look at, you know, the Zinks Series 91, Series 94, um, Series 91 was introduced in 1997. Uh, 94 was introduced in 2003. So once again, not, not new technology. Um, talking about some of the some of the solvent based epoxies, you know, we we're, we are still going to have options. Um, we'll have a series N140 available for you know primarily for for primer, stripe coat, in some cases intermediate coat. Um, but then the lower VOC version of that series L140 um, is is compliant with NSF 600. You know, in, in addition to that, you know, we mentioned the 100% solids materials. So. Familiar names such as Series 22 and FC 22, uh, falling under that 100% solids epoxy category. Um, those are in full compliance, and, and you're going to see, I, I would say, you know, continued usage or increased usage of those. Um, in addition to that, aromatic polyurethane lining technology, such as our Series 406, um, is also compliant. But, you know, be on the lookout. I mean, there are new technologies and, and new formulations coming out. Um, you know, we, we've got our Series 21, um, which is going to be that high solids, uh, different solvent package uh, epoxy that is going to apply more similarly to some of the, the older technologies that you're familiar with. Um, but in addition to that, there, there's also some, well, we feel some game game changing technologies, you know, with, with our uh, water-based zinc uh, series 98 um, as well as our water-based epoxy series 1220 so while there are still a lot of uh, a lot of products that you're familiar with you know that there are going to be some new developments coming out well and as we mentioned previously this there's just continued strive towards new technologies new formulations so you're seeing a mix as you go forward with these new requirements that um, you do have some tried and true products and you do have some newer formulations to consider as well. Mm -hmm. And this is all going to be driven through updated specifications for mm -hmm. projects. And so this is an opportunity not only to update the products, but also update procurement practices, which is an important aspect and a nice opportunity for engineers and owners mm -hmm. to consider as they're going through this exercise. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Mark. And, and uh, I think our listeners would be interested to know that AWA has an educational initiative, has really kind of tackled this, uh, uh, trying to in innovate our procurement practices. We have a new, a new kind of initiative. And so we're really seeing a need to make the kind of changes you're talking about. And, and NSF is a good example. But there's also been changes and will be changes to D-102 and other standards and regulatory issues that take place. So the, the whole point of this is that we're educating municipalities and tank owners and asset owners, infrastructure owners um, in the water sector to rethink how they specify uh, coating systems. And the gist of it is, is that if you look at what is the definition of uh, asset management, but the definition comes right out of the AWA publication is it talks about the purpose of asset management. Or the definition is, is it really is with the objective, and I'm quoting, the objective of providing the required level of service at an acceptable level of risk at an optimal life cycle cost. So the whole purpose of asset management is given a certain level of service and a certain level of risk, you want to optimize your life cycle cost. Well, then there's another definition for sustainability. 
And this kind of this interesting nexus between asset management and sustainability. And the definition for sustainability uh, includes this language. And I'm, again, reading from the definition, definition handbook. The integration of asset management and sustainability is possible due to the overlap of core concepts inherent in both frameworks. Sustainability's focus is on life cycle. So what's interesting is, is that you have the lowest life cycle cost. You also have, uh, you've achieved your goal for asset management, but you also have the most sustainable solution. Uh, I'll just point to one other AWA document, the current D102, which is steel, uh, coatings for steel water storage tanks. Uh, the current revision is D102-21. And right in the appendix, under appendix section A1, there's language in there that says, and I'll quote, uh, it is recommended that the purchaser establish the site-specific conditions of exposure and then conduct an economic evaluation of several coding systems using life cycle cost analysis. So, for example, in the D102, there are 13 uh, coding systems specified or delineated for both interior and exterior that owners can choose from. However, the D102, and it says there in big bold print, is a minimum performance standard. And so really, I, I always tell folks, you really don't want the minimum. There's much better technology available. And, and how do you determine that? Well, they're saying that you basically conduct a life cycle cost analysis. And it goes on to say in that same section, uh, section A1 of the Appendix A, that uh, it's recommended, and I'm quoting, it's recommended that, that the coatings be purchased from a manufacturer uh, the products of which have proven performance for the intended service through in-place use, that means case histories, and laboratory test equivalency. So that, to me, that's ASTM test results. So really what the industry is saying is that you really need to look at, if you want to achieve your asset management sustainability goals, you need to look at and specify life cycle costs, not initial low cap X. There's a significant difference between the two. Consider upgrading and, and improving and aligning your asset management goals, sustainability goals, by buying low life cycle costs, not low capex. Well, that's one reason why we wanted to emphasize that, because we know that engineers need to go in. There's still a lot of specifications that need to be updated mm -hmm. to meet the new NSF 600 requirement. So that's that's sort of the base level. We know that that specifications are out there that need to be updated just to meet those new requirements. But it's also an opportunity to really upgrade your specification, right. uh, to extend that maintenance cycle out, save the owner money in the long run, which I think is uh, everyone would be in agreement. It takes a little additional research to do that. Uh, you just can't start <laughs> plugging in NSF 600 compliant products because not all products are created equal. Mm -hmm. And Brian, you were a sales representative for years in the mm -hmm. field. You would meet with engineers to, to provide your recommendation for uh, updated specifications. What kind of advice would you have if you were meeting with an engineer now that needs to upgrade or update to the requirements of this new NSF 600? Yeah, sure, Mark. So um, I, I would say as a, as a specifier or an asset owner, it, it, it may seem very daunting. I mean, you not only have a lot of <clears throat> generic types to pick from and generic systems to pick from, um, but then you have multiple manufacturers out there. And so um, you know, I, I appreciate uh, what Randy just presented. I mean, that to date, there's there there's not a, a ton of methodology. It, it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. and so being able to look at your options through the lens of of some of the premises uh, Randy was just discussing, like asset management, uh, longest life cycle, you know, longest mm -hmm. service life, lowest life cycle cost. Um, I, I think that can definitely help you evaluate things even more so. Um, but on top of that, just looking at uh, 
accelerated uh, uh, corrosion, you know, performance data. That can really help you evaluate if this material is going to hold up to the conditions in which it's placed. Um, in addition to that, you know, with some of the tried and true technologies, while it may be new to you, uh, there's multiple case histories out there. Um, and, and in most cases, there's case histories very similar to, to probably the environment that you're looking at. And so I would say coupling those together along with some of the, the new ways to maybe think about that um, as a specifier, I, I would say would, would, would definitely be a very beneficial exercise. So there's three things I think that we just hit on. It's the procurement practices that AWWA is really focused in on for longer term approach to um, asset management. There's the performance data that mm -hmm. really shows the, the difference in coding formulations, how they're going to perform long-term, which helps support those sustainable approaches. And then case histories mm -hmm. as well for products that mm -hmm. have been out uh, just to increase uh, the comfort level uh, to prove out that these products have been used in similar situations and are fit for that service. So those are things that you can talk to your sales representative, your coding representative about uh, to make sure that, hey, as you're updating these things, let's let's not only just make sure you're compliant with NSF 600, let's make sure you're getting the best possible coding systems in that tank that's going to give you the longest life cycle and save the owner money in the long run. Yeah, for asset management managers, I always, uh, I think it helps them understand it, and maybe to your point, Brian, simplify it. Mm -hmm. If you think of your coding system as an asset in and of itself protecting another asset, it's an asset in and of itself with its own maintenance requirements, its own service life, and its own life cycle cost. But the M42, which is a manual practice for steel storage tanks, there's a quote I love to use. It says, the service life of a steel water storage tank is indefinite. And then there's a comma, and it says, if properly maintained. So the asset, the coding system as an asset, if it's doing its job properly and maintained properly, that steel water, water storage tank will stand forever. No, that's what we're all shooting for. Uh, mm -hmm. So just to summarize, I appreciate your time today, gentlemen. Uh, just to summarize that these changes to standard 61, uh, which come in the form of the reference standard of NSF 600, are occurring January 1st, 2023. Now is a great time to update specifications, meet with your coatings representative, and make sure that those AWWA procurement practices are incorporated into that, not only just the update to the products, uh, but also make sure that we've got longevity that's really associated with whatever that specification update is going to be. All right, gentlemen, appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Mark.